Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was from changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of it all, all these getting started moments, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm truly grateful to have you here listening along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Dennis Volpe. Let me give you a quick background on Dennis before we jump into the episode. He currently serves as an executive performance and leadership coach with the Leadership Research Institute. He is a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, earned his Master of Science in Leadership Development from the Naval Postgraduate School, and is an International Coaching Federation Professional Certified Coach and a Columbia University Certified Executive Coach. His understanding of leadership comes from his over 20 years of leadership and operational experience as a career naval officer to include teaching leadership at the United States Naval Academy, serving in numerous leadership roles of increasing responsibility to include command at sea, and from a variety of academic and intellectual pursuits. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I have a feeling y'all are going to take a lot of great things away from this interview. So without further ado, please enjoy my wide-ranging conversation with Dennis Volpe. Hey, Dennis, awesome to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Brian, thanks for having me. I'm uh, super excited for, for the conversation. I was, uh, I was impressed with you know, all this stuff you've done throughout your career when we chatted for a few minutes um, in the past and uh, excited really for you to share a lot of that wisdom on the, uh, on the podcast here. You know, I thought we could start, though, just to provide some context for everyone listening in or watching, um, just going in kind of to your background just slightly, um, kind of I know there was a big change probably that you didn't expect, you didn't want to happen, and ultimately that changed the, you know, the course of your life uh, sure. to what you're doing today. So I, I thought if it's okay, if you don't mind, maybe just changing quick background, maybe that event that happened, and that'll build into a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in this conversation. Sure, absolutely. I think, um, I think for context, um, you know, I'm sure folks in your audience, there's absolutely high achievers. There's absolutely folks that know success and they know what's required to be successful and um, they know the work that's required. And for me, you know, I was successful. Um, you know, I'm a Naval Academy graduate and uh, I was a career surface warfare officer for those folks that uh, are wondering what that is. I was in the Navy and spent a lot of time on ships and ultimately got to uh, command. And uh, so I got to be a warship captain. And pretty awesome opportunity. And uh, so in terms of trajectory, yeah, everything was going exactly the way it was supposed to go and um, until it didn't. And, and when did it, you know, stop doing that? Really, it was the 12th of February, 2014. And um, doing what we call a national tasking mission so that what we were doing at the time was being briefed to the highest levels of, our civilian and military chain of command. And what were, what were we doing? We were supporting the 2014 Sochi Olympics. Uh, so from a professional context, I was on top of the world, literally and figuratively. And, um, and then we had a mishap pulling into, uh, pulling into a port 
into a harbor. And uh, that really changed the trajectory of my life. And uh, because what happened after that, I was, I was relieved of command and really had to sort out, you know, what mattered to me, who I was, and what I wanted to do. And uh, so is it, is it a unique story? I'm, I don't think so. It's a personal story. And the reason it's not unique is because there's folks in their careers that have really done amazing things, and then something happens. Something happens, and they really have to reevaluate who they are, what really is important to them, and what they're going to do next. And how did that, you know, because I'm thinking about going through, you know, events I've went through in my life. I can imagine, only imagine, right, what that was like going through that in the days and weeks following. But we talked about this a little last time, and I, I think maybe this is apropos to, to talk about this around change versus transition and kind of how, how from a mindset standpoint, were you able to handle that and, and really understand where the impact was to yourself, to your family, to obviously others, and then actually start to move past it? Because I have a feeling that's, I know where I have that challenge is the moving past it part. Um, yeah. So can you share a little bit about um, how you did that and, and maybe, you know, some things others can, can look at uh, to help in sure. their own lives? And, and Brian, I think that the biggest piece was the realization that there's a difference between change and transition. And, and what do I mean by that? Change is what happens to us. You know, it's some sort of external event and, and it's situational. Uh, whereas transition is what happens for us. It's actually a mindset shift. It's a process to really figure out, okay, you know what, what do I value? What do I want to prioritize? And how do I define success? And uh, in full transparency, at, at the outset, I'm not sure that I did it all that well um, because I was really focused on the fact that I failed professionally. And because up to that point, I was so myoptically focused on, on my career that my role and my identity were the same thing. So what I did was who I was and who I was was what I did. And now I was at an inflection point where I had to figure out, well, who is this dude? And uh, so that started uh, my transition journey, which really, it might even still be going on, but uh, it provided me an opportunity to reflect and explore you know, who is this guy? What does he care about? How does he define success? And uh, what does he want to do moving forward? Yeah. Well, and, and your situation is a little different than some that choose to leave a career. You know, I got that point. I was leaving a career and, and kind of moving to other stuff. And I had a really to your point, go through a lot of things to figure out that mindset shift, figure out what I was going to do um, and how I was going to do it, how I was not going to be defined by who I was. You kind of got that thrown on your plate pretty quickly because you weren't expecting to leave, so, right? Yeah, I mean, true, uh, true to a point um, because I didn't necessarily have to leave the Naval Service, um, but I was never going to be able to command again. And uh, so... When I, when I think about, well, why did I decide to go? And um, you know, part of it was because I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do in the way I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, leading 
officers and leading sailors uh, as a commanding officer was probably the, you know, not probably, it was uh, one of the more impactful jobs that I've had in my entire life. And it's something that I wanted to do again. But uh, I knew that I wasn't going to have that opportunity um, because of the, the military judicial system. And I was okay with that, right? Because when you say, I got it, that means you got it. So you, I, my, my team failed that day, and it was my team. So I was accountable and responsible for, for that performance. And um, so could I have stayed in, in the military for another you know, eight or nine years? Yes. But when we think about purposeful work, you know, how, do you, how do you define that? It's, I like to say it's, it's your passion in a box. And, uh, you know, that, that box is determined by our strengths. What are we really good at? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are our passions? Uh, and then what are the problems or issues that we want to solve? And then who do we want to solve them with? And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that in a way that made sense for me. So that's why I decided I needed to do something different. So if we if we try to put a you know a, a kind of underline this transition the, the, this point we're speaking about here, what are the practices we could all put in place to make the transition? Um, I'm not going to use the word easy because I don't think any transition is easy, but to make it, I guess, what we might determine as successful, where we move to the next peg, we've got to the next spot that's going to be yeah. you know for our lives. Any practices you put in play? Anything that was helpful to um, to go through? Yeah. Um, I like to call it, uh, your transition toolkit and, um, it's mind, body, tribe, and why. So mindfulness, incorporating mindfulness into your everyday. So that way you can gain the clarity that you need and, um, clarity in terms of what's important what matters, what you want to prioritize, all, all of that stuff. And very often when you, at least in my experience now, having done this performance coaching thing for almost five years, people think that mindfulness is yoga headstands and, and all of the, the stuff that goes with it. But it's what gives you the time and space that you need to gain the clarity that that you want. And I mean, for me, it's the outdoors. It's walking my dog. Mm-hmm. It's shooting arrows in the backyard into, you know, you know doing archery in the backyard. Uh, sometimes it's even, you know, cooking dinner, right? What, what are those activities that really allow you to think? and making reflection and exploration part of your everyday. Um, And then body, physical wellness, Um, and making sure that you have a wellness regimen that makes sense for you. So that way, not only do you have the function and the mobility that you need, but also you, you have the emotional and mental stamina required to get you through that transition. Because guess what? If you don't take care of your body, your body's not going to take care of you. And, um, you know, for me, I got into the sport of triathlon. 
And, uh, you know, that was, that was awesome for a, you know, probably three big reasons. Uh, one, because of that, you know, physical wellness piece, um, you know, swimming, biking, and running, that's absolutely going to make you, you know, better physically. Um, all, but the time and space it provided from a mindfulness perspective was also an added benefit. And I would say that the third part was, and this goes into the, the third piece, is the triathlon community is, or at least my community in the triathlon space was just a, a collection of amazing humans that challenged me not only to be a better triathlete, but to be a better human. And um, so that's, so mind, body, and then tribe. And uh, your tribe is really, for me, it's, there's two parts to it. There's your, your quick reaction force. Uh, those folks that um, will always answer your call, regardless of the subject, regardless of the time of day, and they're going to give you the insight, the perspective, and the support you want, but the accountability that you need. And uh, when I think about, I know one of your questions was, you know, when you're having a rough day, when you're in that area of uncertainty, that area, area of despair, what do you do? Well, I call one of those people. And I pick up the phone and say, hey, man, this is where I'm at. Um, this is where I'm going, and, and really, this is what I need. Uh, I didn't always do that, and uh, that's probably one of the biggest learning points for me throughout this transition process is being okay asking for help. And then the, the, the larger tribe is based on what you want to do, and I really got this from reading uh, Ken Coleman's book, The Proximity Principle, and... Um, Andrew Sobel's work on networking. And, and so identifying, once you have identified the space you think you want to go into and the work that you want to do, you know, who are the thought leaders in that space? Who are the experienced professionals in that space? Um, and then who are the catalysts? Who can actually make those connections? And who are the experienced professionals? Who, who are those folks that are doing the work? I mean, that, so that's kind of on the professional side. And then you've got your QRF that's part of it. And then also who are your energizers, right? Who are the Brian's in your life that you can connect into and just get positive energy just by the interaction? And then why? Your purpose. Reflecting on your purpose on a regular basis so that way you can have the grit and the mental toughness you need to keep going. So that, that's the transition toolkit for me. Yeah, that's all. There's a lot of good stuff in that. Um, let, let me, let me peel back a little bit. Um, the, from the body standpoint, you know, obviously you're talking about triathlons, which is, those seem just crazy to me. I'm, I, I have to do one someday just to like beat myself up, but it's just me. Every, every time I hear kind of going through that, um, when you talk about this tribe of people and you said you met through the, the triathlon community, how do you, I've always had this challenge because a lot of it's a gut reaction and maybe this is the answer, but how do you know who those select few individuals are? Is that a conversation with them? Is that just, you feel this kind of bond right away as you meet? Does that form over time? Can you share how you've at least identified some of these key individuals? 
Well, I, I think you hit it on that. You've kind of talked about all of it, Brian. Um, I think very often you get that, I'll call it your spidey sense that says, yeah, good dude, good dude at, you know, that's somebody that is going to challenge me to be a better person, but you know what? They're actually just pretty awesome to be around. Um, They, they provide positive energy. They are, you know, I enjoyed talking to them and, and you know what? They challenged me to be better and, you know, want my support to challenge them to be better themselves. And does that happen over time? Absolutely. So, and, and I think we've seen that not only in the sport of triathloning, but anything that we do, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, volunteer stuff or whatever, you know, you kind of have an idea of what matters to you and what you value and what you expect of yourself and others. And when people exhibit that, when people are people of character, and I firmly believe that character is just our values in action, and you see that their values and your values are the same, and they actually, you know, you trust them. And um, the reason you trust them is because they, they know what they're talking about. They actually do what they say. They're invested in you as a person. And you know what? It's not all about them. Then it's really easy to go to that next level. What kind of, I, I know sports analogies are always easy to, you know, dissect, I guess, or, or digest maybe is the word. That was the word I'm looking for. Um, can you share any kind of parallels of uh, life lessons from the triathlon days and, and triathlon events that you've done uh, sure. to life to, you know, how it relates to maybe everyday things we should be thinking about or um, trying to improve on? Yeah. And if you're okay, I'm even going to add another sports thing uh, on the end of it. Um, so we'll talk about triathlon and we'll talk about rugby. Let's do it. We rugby has never been spoken about on this podcast before. Awesome. So this is first time for everything. So let's yeah. do it. So, you know, when you think about the sport of triathloning, there's three distinct events, right? You've got the swim, you've got the bike, you've got the run. And, but you have distinct transition points in between those events. So between the swim and the bike and between the bike and the run. And what's the life lesson? You got to be present in the present. Because if I didn't learn anything on the first big triathlon I did, uh, I am not a good swimmer, Brian. Uh, And I know you're like, but you were in the Navy. Yep. (laughs) And I was on ships. So if I was swimming in the water, things had gone horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, You know, I wasn't a diver. I wasn't a seal. I, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't my bag. Um, So swimming is the hardest event for me. And my first big triathlon, I almost didn't finish in in the time allotted. Um, And so if you don't get done with the swim, you don't have to worry about the bike or the run because it's not going to happen. And similarly, you know, if you're not present in the bike, you could have an accident or, or whatever, and then you don't have to worry about the run. So what's the big life lesson? Well, also the past, the past is the past. You know what? If you had a really crummy swim, you need to move on. If you had a really crummy bike, you need to move on. Um, So the big life lessons for me is being present in the present. 
because you don't own the past and you can't predict the future. And if you don't focus your, your attitude, your energy, and your effort on the present, you may not get to the future. Yeah. So that, that's the life lesson for me, uh, being present in the present. Uh, now, do I also think there's a need for reflection and I call them AARs or an after action report at the end? Yes. Because how do you get better for your next event? How do you get better for your next client? How do you get better? Well, you need to revisit that stuff and say, all right, what did I do well? What did I do not so well? And what do I, what can't I do again? Because that, that was just ugly, right? So having a process in place that says, let's, let's keep the good, let's fix, fix the bad and get rid of the ugly. And doing that, not only in your personal life, but also your professional life. And then rugby, right? One of the toughest games out there. Uh, you know, 15 men or women on one team for 80 minutes. And uh, yeah, I was told uh, by, by a guy in the, in the British Royal Navy over a pint of beer once that rugby is just a barbaric game, period. Just happens to be played by gentlemen and ladies. And then I had to take that. And I was like, that's interesting. And, and then they went on to explain it. Uh, but what I've taken from my experience in, in rugby is support and what support means and what it looks like. And I started playing rugby at the Naval Academy. And the, our coach, uh, you know, Mike Flanagan, he talked about two words that mean more to me now than any words I've been told, Right. And before you go into contact with another player, you always go into contact with a friend. And the two words that that person says to you as you're going into contact is with you. So you know that you're going into contact with an opposing player. You're literally going to have, you know, a physical event with another human but you know what? You're going to go into that event with somebody who's got your back. And I think the life lesson is make sure that you're teaming up with the right folks and you're teaming up with folks that are going to have your back. And when they actually say the words with you, you know what that means. So be a good team player and be able to, you know, share those words with other people. And when you share those words with other people, mean it. Because there's going to come a time where they need support and they need you there. And there's going to come a time when you need support and you need them there. I think it always goes back to that, the support systems. And we don't need to do things on our own. I know it's that ego we all have of like, we want to complete, like I did this. But the reality is, and, and I look at this from a variety of lenses, but there's always people, even if they're way in the background and we don't technically might acknowledge them as we think deeper about a situation, there's always some other people that have helped us along the way, you know? Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think by acknowledging that up front and realizing that, listen, we can't do it alone. I mean, I guess we could do it alone, right? Let's, let's get that on the table. Sure, you could probably do it alone. It would make it a heck of a lot more 
rewarding and probably easier by doing it with others. Uh, probably to your point there of like, if we have that team aspect, if it's that mentor you can call, if that's that person you can lean on for a, a quick advice, uh, anything of that nature, it goes back to, it just helps us along on the journey. And then vice versa, it's rewarding to us. I know it is for me when I get a chance to help others when they're reaching out um, because you, it feels like a, a win-win, right? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you asked me when we first talked, what was one of the biggest lessons for me in transition? And that was the biggest lesson is life is a team sport. And for somebody that has played team sports their entire life, I don't, I still don't know why I didn't embrace it. And you highlighted the reason, right? My ego was in my way. You know, Ryan holiday wrote the book, you know, ego is the enemy. Absolutely. And I realized over time that I was actually my worst enemy. And once I started letting people know where I was, where I was at, where I wanted to go and why I wanted to go there and the support that I could use, I was amazed at what happened. They're like, oh, have you thought about this? Well, no, I can help you with that. Really? And I mean, that's kind of how you and I got connected. So, I mean, it's, being okay with getting out of your own way is probably one of the biggest lessons I learned. One more note I took down here. You're talking about the triathlon. I'm just curious your perspective on this because, you know, you hear mixed things and there's probably no right or wrong. It's just whatever for the person, but is around strengths and weaknesses. You know, when you go back and do that action report that you've mentioned at the end, do you find that, you know, so let's take the triathlon, right? So you said, okay, I'm horrible at swimming. You might be really solid at biking as an example. Do you first start try to improve the biking to give you more time in swimming? Or do you try to improve the swimming first, knowing that the biking is going to take care of itself for the most part? I'm curious where you would start when you, when you dissect strengths versus weaknesses. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm going to preface everything I say with, the fact that I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach, um, <laughs> still realizing that um, there's there's some thoughts here, and um, and it's probably not a fair um, question because uh, biking actually takes up the majority of of a triathlon. But um, well, that just shares my uh, my naivety, <laughs> no, my naivety all, to triathlons. But the uh, at the end of the day, I think when when you think about the value that you're going to add to yourself and to your team, if you're a seven at something, and you can get from a seven to a nine, versus a two to a four, right? What makes more sense? As long as that, that, that weakness is not a detriment, then focusing on your strengths absolutely makes more sense. So if, if using a you know, triathloning for, for an example, right? I um, absolutely a horrible swimmer, um, and, but good, I was a good runner and I was, uh, you know, and I was a good cyclist. And, um, but I actually knew that my swimming was, was potentially detrimental to that whole triathlon experience. So what did I do? 
uh, I hired a coach and got me to a point where I was like, yeah, you know what? Um, I can do this. I could do this at, at an acceptable level, but you know what? I want to spend my time on those things that I enjoy and those things that I'm really good at. Uh, because when you spend time on those things that you're really good at and that you enjoy, it's only going to make the, you know, the, the experience itself even better. And uh, so do I think you should focus on your strengths? Yes. Do I think you have to pay attention to your weaknesses? Absolutely. But you're going to get more bang for your buck, both personally and professionally, if you identify what your strengths are and then leverage them in the work that you do personally and professionally. Is there a, t- is there a time where you're assessing like it's every week or month or t- quarter or whatever it is like that you're assessing those strengths and weaknesses and trying to, you know, cause at some point they might reshuffle where that strength goes from a seven to a nine and you're like, Oh, okay. Well now I can maybe work on something else and, and move sure. it up. Is there any, um, practice in terms of timeline that you would work on or well the um i actually use um there's some people out there that are using like a 12-week year in terms of prioritization and 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 all that stuff i i actually use a use a reality wheel that determines and i'm looking at my whiteboard right now the my quarterly focus areas and um but to your point, how do I reassess um, my strengths? Well, I know what they are. And, um, you know, when I think about my top five strengths, um, you know, they're individualization. And this is from the Gallup Strength Finder. Uh, individualization, focus, achiever, uh, relator, and, and harmony. And uh, I think about those and I think about the work that I do as, as a performance coach, it, it makes sense, right? So the work I'm doing is actually leveraging the, my, my strengths. And um, do I think you need to revisit it on a regular basis? Absolutely. Um, and uh, because when you think about reflection and exploration, part of it is, am I enjoying what I'm doing? And very often the answer is binary, yes or no. And, uh, you know, why am I not enjoying what I'm doing? Well, if you look at some of the work that Gallup's done, uh, very often is because you're not leveraging your strengths and you're actually doing work that's not allowing you to do that. And I think doing that on a, I do it quarterly, which uh, is something that's helpful to me. What's the reality wheel again? That was kind of a, I like that term. Uh, well, the, uh, I got the initial uh, life wheel from coactive coaching uh, when I went through the uh, Columbia uh, coaching program, when I went to go get certified as a coach. And uh, then I took that and uh, spent some time looking at the, the different aspects of reality and uh, whether that's from you know Gallup's wellness um, work, um, you know some of the coactive coaching stuff, but also some of it has been from my work as an executive coach 
and identifying the areas that over the past four and a half, five years that my clients have talked about. Mm -hmm. And then incorporating that to say, okay, based on these different areas, you know, the relationship with your family, the relationship with your significant other, your social health, what are you doing for fun and recreation? What are you doing for physical wellness? What are you doing for mental wellness and mindfulness? How are you doing financially? What about your intellectual health? What about your job satisfaction and your occupational wellness? And then finally, your sense of purpose and fulfillment and grading yourself in those areas on a quarterly basis to say, this is where I'm at and this is where I want to be. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an exercise that I take my clients through on a quarterly basis. Hmm. Well, one of the last points I want to talk about here that, that I think could be helpful from you is, uh, is resilience. Mm-hmm. If we can, if we can dive into that a little bit, um, you know, you talk about this, the, the perseverance versus resilience. I'll let you kind of go down the rabbit hole to start on this and then we'll <laughs> kind of your take on it. And then we'll, we'll get into a little more discussion if you could. Sure. You know, when I, when I think about the, uh, cause I got asked, well, Dennis, why did you write transition on purpose? You know, why did you write the book that you wrote? And, you know, there was three reasons. First, everybody kept telling me, or at least my mentors kept telling me to do it. And I just got tired of listening to them. And I said, all right, fine, I'll do it. Uh, I like to say I got tired of getting shit on. And uh, so I was like, let's do it. Um, and then, you know, we already talked about how, you know, it was, it's a personal story, but not a unique story. But uh, the other part was over you know, the past four and a half years, uh, I identified a bunch of trends uh, in, in my clients, whether that's the emerging leader, whether that's the proven, you know, mid-level corporate professional or the small business owner or the transitioning military veteran. And, you know, one of those trends was a misunderstanding of resilience versus perseverance or endurance. And, uh, you know, what does that look like? And I was guilty of it too, right? Well, resilience is my ability to keep going and going and going and going until my battery is at zero. No, that's endurance. (laughs) Um, Resilience is our ability to be self-aware and self-manage and understanding that, you know what, our battery level is actually getting lower and understanding what we need to do about it, right? Do we need to plug in mentally? Do we need to plug in physically? Do we need to plug in socially? And do we need to plug in spiritually in terms of our sense of purpose and filling up each one of those batteries? And um, I like to call it the four R's for resilience, right? How do we, how do we relax in each one of those areas? How do we recharge mentally? How do we recharge physically, socially, and spiritually? And, you know, how do we reconnect mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually? And finally, how do we re-engage life and work mentally, physically, socially, and spiritually? So that way, not only can we lean in to that adversity, those challenges, that uncertainty, but we actually get better because of the process, right? Steel, how do you, how do you get steel stronger? You got to put it in a flame. 
And that's what resilience is all about. Resilience isn't about bouncing back to where you were. It's actually about bouncing forward to where you want to be. That's an interesting uh, perspective on it. That's really, I, I, I hadn't thought about it like that, I guess. Um, how, do, how do we start getting more self-aware? Well, I think there's, there's, there's probably more than three ways, but for me, um, three ways. Um, one is there's assessments out there to help you do that. Um, there's self-assessments. Um, there's 360 assess, 360 assessments that you know provide you the opportunity to not only self-assess but get um, the perspective of, of uh, other people. Um, so that's kind of the you know quantitative way to do it. But there's a qualitative way to do it. Asking people, having real conversations with the people who matter to you, and but guess what, Brian? That that requires. Two things, openness and vulnerability. And um, I know that not a superpower for this guy. Um, you know, when I think, you know, you go back to that, uh, you know, Gallup Strength Finder thing, you know, you get your top 34 strengths. And I think my number 32 strength was empathy, not for other people, but my ability to really show my feelings um, outwardly. And uh, who knows, maybe it was because, you know, I'm the, I'm the son of a, of a Marine, you know, a combat veteran Marine from Vietnam turned police officer. And then I went to the Naval Academy and had a military career. So, you know, showing feelings in public, you know, not necessarily something that was a thing, uh, but, I have seen the power of that over the past four to five years and the environment that that sets for other people. Because as a leader, when you're open and you're vulnerable about who you are and what you are and what you want to do, you create that environment for your team. Hmm. And I think it establishes an environment of trust and that trust is what makes team effectiveness happen, whether that's at your home or at work. Yeah, yeah vulnerabilities. Uh, you know, it's so interesting. I literally was just listening to uh, Simon Sinek on a uh, podcast, and I, I'm going to butcher exactly what he said, but it was something. I, I thought the way he put it was just phenomenal. It was something along the lines of like, vulnerability is is basically showing people that you love them and giving them the control to either reject it or hurt you or whatever. Like it's putting it in their hands. I thought it was a really, again, I'm, I'm butchering exactly what he said, but it was, sure. I'll, I'll have to maybe link it up or something, but it was uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. Cause when you, the vulnerability to put yourself out there and show your true colors and, and, and really show what you're about, cause it really is like it's, it's out there in the, in the stratosphere and you can't control what happens to it. Yeah, um, no, but that's and- a huge part. As you mentioned, it gives people trust, um, that, Hey, this person's being raw, honest, real, authentic. And so I'm going to most likely return that, you know, to them. Yep. And it wasn't until, um, I actually worked with a coach myself yep. and, and they challenged me, uh, to that whole openness and vulnerability piece. And I still remember, uh, you know, my wife coming home from work and, 
There, there her, you know, husband is watching a Brene Brown TED Talk on openness and vulnerability. And I still remember her saying, what did you do with my husband? And um, so, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. And, um, but how that has actually deepened the relationships that I have with the people that matter to me um, and it, new relationships and new connections that I make is absolutely, you know, it's been a game changer for me. Yeah. And to loop it all around, the Simon Sinek thing I just said was actually, he was on Brene Brown just recently. That was the podcast, Dare to Lead. Ah, so there we go. That, that looped it around nicely. Um, <laughs> and by the way, that, that Brene Brown, was that, that that was a Netflix special or? I was, or was it was, um, it was a TED Talk. Oh, a TED Talk. Okay. Her Netflix yep. special was awesome as well. I yeah, don't know if you've seen absolutely. that. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. Anything else on the, um, on the resilience um, piece? Any, anything else you would share that maybe, again, something that maybe a practice, like you mentioned those assessments, is there somewhere that someone could go to start that? Anything you would point uh, well, out? There's, I'll have to share that with you. We could probably share it in the, in the show notes. Uh, yeah. But um I, I have a colleague who ha is developing a resilience assessment hmm. okay. and um, we can, we can absolutely provide that to the audience as well. The, uh, the key piece, at least for me about resilience is making that self-awareness, that self-observation part of your routine and making your routine that making your routine routines. So that way, you know, when you're not your best self and, um, or making sure that you have people in your life that are not afraid to say, Hey, Dennis, you know what? You don't seem like your best self today. What's up? And because I, you know, I do this for a living and I had a good friend call me out one day and say, Hey, is everything okay? And I'm like, of course. They're like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, going back to the whole openness and vulnerability thing, right? right. Uh, and um, then I had a conversation you know, with my wife later that day. And I said, hey, somebody told me that I wasn't my best self. And uh, she's like, well, they might be onto something. And then we kind of went through all of the things that I had on my plate. And, you know, and we all know 2020 was an interesting year for a lot of people. And uh, even though I had mindfulness practices in place, a physical wellness plan in place, social connection in place, and I really understood uh, my sense of purpose and what I was doing, just because of the amount of stuff that I was doing, my battery levels in each one of those areas was going down and I didn't realize it until somebody actually said, hey man, what's going on? And then I was able to literally reconnect, sorry, you know, disconnect from what was going on, went out to Utah for the week and got into the outdoors, which is what absolutely energizes me on any level. And was able to do some hiking, was able to do some running, was able to do some, 
you know, whitewater rafting and a whole bunch of other stuff with people who mattered to me, who also energized me. So making it part of your routine is I think the biggest thing that we can do, not only for ourselves, but for each other. Well, Dennis, let's end on one last question. Um, I, I want you to take a big leap back in time. Let's go back to your younger self. Okay. Maybe a teenage years, I always like to say, and I want you to give one piece of impactful advice to, to the younger Dennis, where you think they would need that to maybe help them out in their journey a little bit more guide, if you will, a quote that they could put on their computer or anything like that, that you would share as a lasting impression for them. Yeah. And, and Brian, we've talked about it. Um, life is a team sport that that's what needs to go on the yellow sticky uh, on, on, on the mirror of, of my 18 year old self. And what does that mean? You know, don't be half a teammate. I always thought that, uh, you know, I was a great teammate because I was always there to support other people. Uh, What I didn't realize was I was only half a teammate because I wasn't asking for their support. So life is a team sport and you need to be a good team player, which means not only do you give support, but you ask for support when you need it. Do you think it's necessary for especially younger kids, teenagers, stuff like that to be involved in actual sport to pick up some of the, because that the, the analogy with it, right? If they're not involved in a lot of team activities, if they're secluded by themselves, working on a computer, learning coding, whatever it is, they're doing their own thing and they're not involved. Is that helpful to actually have that real world experience? Do you think? Uh, in my opinion, Yes. Uh, the life lessons that I've learned from team sports, whether it was baseball, whether it was, you know, football, whether it was lacrosse, whether it was rugby. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've learned uh, obviously lessons from triathloning, which is an individual sport. But you know what? You can't do triathlon without a team of people to, to help you train and, and prepare. Uh, so the life lessons that you get from team sports, not only the interdependence, but understanding roles and responsibilities and alignment of purpose, but also what it feels like to win and also what it feels like to lose. Um, Because if you don't know what it feels like to lose, then winning doesn't feel as good as it can. Good point. That's a really good point. Got to experience it all right to have a, understanding of maybe you know what each of those uh can do in your life and the way you react to them i think as well right i would and i would just change one word brian and it's how we respond to it respond yeah because you know when we think about how we can do things better and how do we how can we be a more resilient person which was a question you had earlier it's giving ourselves the time and space we need to respond to life rather than to react to life. Hmm. Good point. Dennis, where can everyone connect with you online? Where's the best spot you would recommend they go? Yeah, you can go to my website, which is transitiononpurpose.com. And um, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. But uh, my website, transitiononpurpose.com, is the best place to, uh, to connect with me. 
Dennis, this was an absolute thrill. Uh, glad to have you on. Excited uh, for your your journey going forward. A lot of the cool stuff you're doing, and um, like I said, I look forward to keeping in touch. I appreciate the time. Yeah, Brian, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm super excited to uh, to be connected, and uh, I'm look for, looking forward to uh, to what's next. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview, and thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, you know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years, and it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast, and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. Um, Happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me. I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there. Uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.